pondering this idea of RPG myths. I quite like to challenge, I quite like to challenge these things. And um, recently, talking about swingy D20s and I don't know, I think the reason I like, like to challenge them is I think you get these misconceptions and and ideas floating around that muddy the waters if you're into game design and maybe hacking rules and, and trying to make your game better you sort of think about this stuff and if you can get it really clear in your head I think it's helpful it helps you answer some questions clarify what you're trying to do and, and kind of just move you forward and the misconception type stuff kind of holds uh, hold you back or gets in the way or like I say muddies the water a little bit so the example being just I was just talking about the D20 questioning some of the thinking and, and what I, I regard as maybe um, a popular consensus it seems like quite a lot you, you get people talking about games and if you get enough people saying a similar thing it it almost becomes like this unassailable unquestionable truth because it's been heard so much yet the the the, the kind of like the evidence is not there or, or it's not really been thought about it's just kind of regurgitated ideas that go round and round and they, they form into something more substantial than they really are in terms of you know whether the idea is you know correct or not obviously some things are more subjective than others but one of them that keeps cropping up for me and I just don't feel I've ever got to the bottom of it it's as though whenever you talk about it, it somehow it somehow gets a little bit hijacked or we we get dragged back into the same old pattern of thinking and discussion and and it, it doesn't really move on and and the subject is this idea of um the legs of a game what gives a game replayability uh, and i guess the kind of um the common, commonly held sort of what I I understand to be the commonly held opinion is that that somehow this is related to how much you've got in your rule book in terms of be it rules or be it fluff setting. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't really see. I don't really support these these ideas so you'll have to excuse me if I'm not totally clear with them but yeah somehow the more pages in a book there, there's more substance clearly there's more something hence the pages of books uh, and the other one is advancement and character advancement whether whether that really is a factor or not I think it's is it way more complicated um, I just think this discussion is is barking up the wrong tree. 
and that's what I want to talk about. So before before we go nuts about this and go, oh, Spike Pete, you don't know what you're talking about. I gotta say, I've gotta say, let's just count to ten and think about it. What has this got to do with system? All right, you gotta define system a little bit, and some game books are gonna help you out. But the reason they're helping you out is because they're giving you inspiration for cool stuff. So what I'm going to say is I think you are only limited by a few things. You've got to have time to play. You've got to have players. It's got to work with their schedule. And we all know that's probably number one that's going to finish up your game. Number two is your game and I mean it not necessarily number two but number two in terms of this is the second thing I'm talking about your game has become boring because you've you as a person running it or a player you're you, you kind of you're no longer inspired you've you've spent your imagination You've run out of imagination, and it's imagination and the cool stuff created by your imagination. That's the fuel of your game. If you're running on empty, my guess is the the game is, you know, in its its death throes. There you go. So, how's it to do with the system? That's my challenge, and and. Think about some evidence when we're talking about this stuff. Just look at it. We, you know, what games have you played in that have lasted a long time? Well, I, I've, I've been in Kevin Madison's Ash game ages. I think it was coming on for two years. Um, I've had to step away for a little while. Hopefully, and he assures me it'll still be there when I come back and I'm ready to come back. Likewise, John Large, he runs a long and steady game. And it's because these guys have got a wealth of imagination. They're drawing from a, ma a, a massive, like, resource of ideas. And they're constantly looking and plugging things into their game. So Kev's running Ash. John's running um, Old School Essentials. But, you know, it basically it's D&D. &D. Uh, and, and, and Ash is a bit a bit more of a sort of a slightly more complicated game and D&D &D, as we know at its heart it's a pretty simple game and the the legs for those campaigns very little to do with the system and I would say at this point I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and say nothing to do with the system if you regard the system as sort of really the rules and the mechanisms that make up that game you know the procedures some games like I say they give you a bit more to grab onto in terms of setting and lore and things like that and and, and that's the type of thing that I, I think does contribute way more and I, I wouldn't really call that system 
but I acknowledge that that is debatable. So it comes down to that old classic, how you set it up, so your play style, your players, your group, your time, your imagination. Whilst we've got a minute and I'm on a roll, I've been kayaking, good news, I've been on the river, the River Frome, down in Wareham, Dorset, took the family down there, we took out a couple of double kayaks and a single, had a couple of hours paddling about in a super historical place, Wareham, set up by the, uh, the Saxons, there was a, a settlement there prior to this, but if you want to see some nice architecture, you want to see the, the Riverside Quay, where we, we launched. I mean, they got untold stone churches. I think I counted four old stone churches in this small town. I think it'd make a, a really nice setting. Um, check it out on Wikipedia or your sort of usual search engine of choice. I'm into my Duck Duck Go at the moment. That's a shameless plug for Duck 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 Go, serving me well and, and quite uh, appropriate because there is plenty of ducks down in Wareham. Awesome place, super inspiring, and yes, kayaking. Beautiful day, nice bit of exercise. I, I, can, I can heartily recommend a, a paddle on the river to anybody who's uh, that way inclined regular listeners will know that that is something I've been meaning to do for ages. Got some developments on my River Lee idea as well. I'm, I might try and tie it in with Father's Day, do a bit of walking, follow that path along the River Lee, which is a river local to me. I might, <laughs> oh, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I might even bust out the BMX. Oh yes. How crazy is that? BMX indeed. And the other thing, the last thing, I was just pondering this idea of, uh, there's been quite a bit of talk about minimal games, and minimal gaming. And I've been wondering about, you know, how I set myself up. And I, I use a, a, a DM's notebook. I've got one for when I'm a DM, one for when I'm a player and I can grab that and go. That's got everything I need in there. If I want a bit more stuff, I'll probably turn to the Black Hack box set. Another good go-to, kind of minimal setup. It, for me, it's gotta be no electronics. I can't be tied to a power source, even if it's solar, and I want stuff that's low-tech, that is pretty indestructible. It's not gonna break down, not gonna let you down, you're not gonna have technical difficulties with it. So a DM's notebook, that's, that's perfection for me. And whilst you're putting that together, I wondered about this idea of using a database, something I don't know a lot about, and printing information for different things like monsters or characters, NPCs, and just printing them in a template from a database onto Avery postage labels. And then you can stick them labels. Well, you can stick them where you want. <laughs> oh dear, I might have been in the sun too long again. Occupational hazard, I'm afraid. But yeah, uses for Avery labels. I'd be interested if anybody's tried that. 
if they think there's some mileage to it. It's a bit of a spin on the note card in some ways, which is another thing. I like that note card. A few of them thrown in with my with my DM's book. Set of dice, boom, you're good to go. So I apologise, this is a little bit disjointed. I'm just jumping in and out of the van throughout the day with my thoughts. Of <laughs> The thing that happens is you, you, you talk about something, then you, you mull it over a bit more and you realise perhaps there's a bit more to say. And what I wanted to say was uh, I, I, I realised I didn't really acknowledge anybody for this chain of thought that's been triggered off in my head so big shout out to jason nerds rpg variety cast he was talking about he's been talking about in his most latest episodes his most recent episodes he's been talking about sci-fi uh, sci-fi games uh, my ears pricked up of course at the moment just playing in d6 star wars with my brother running it uh, but, but he mentioned lasers and feelings. He, he didn't talk much about it, but it came up. And I thought, you know what? There's, there's absolutely no reason why lasers and feelings, which is basically Star Trek, why that can't go on and on and on. Because look at the TV show. How, I'm, I'm not a Trekkie. I like it, but when I say I'm not a Trekkie, I don't know the, uh, you know, the ins and outs of it all. Um, but I know there's loads of it. There's loads of it, and you could, you could more or less, you know, just mine all those TV episodes and bring them into a, bring them into your games. So yeah, it's super simple, one set, uh, one page of rules. But but look what they've they've done with Star Trek. What was the premise of that? Bunch of folks floating about on a spaceship. What is it? Exploring and oh, I can't remember the blurb, but you know, you know what I mean. Uh, the other person I want to credit, and he got me a little bit by surprise, was old Spencer, aka Free for All, keep off the Borderlands, talking about his game, Son Itch Pura, and he, he said, "Now hold on, I don't know if it is Pura now." Bang. Well, he's got a game out, and he, he was explaining the that it was uh, kind of designed for one shots. Now he did he did say it's designed for one shots, so he's he's not um, not ruling out any idea that you could play for longer. But he he said his explanation, and he he expounded on this by saying that uh, it was designed that. You play this character that is it's one night in a character's life and that made immediately made me think well yeah and the next time you could play you could just do another night in their life and so on and so forth and it'd be like one of these old children's tv programs you may have heard of uh, called jamie and uh, jamie and the magic torch which was a, a program that was on when i was a kid he, he got up in the night, he had like a, a torch that he shone on the floor and the, the floor opened up to a, a, a kind of magical, wacky, alternate world, another dimension, perhaps. And, you know, you could do that time and time again. And, and that's exactly what Jamie did. He went on his magical adventures with his magic torch. 
and I just want to, at this point, around about the same time, big shout out for Mr. Ben. Hey, Mr. Ben. Folks of a certain age will know Mr. Ben, and I had uh, I had a big idea the other day of pondering about Mr. Ben that I was going to talk about on the podcast. And do you think I can remember what that was? Dang. But Mr. Ben is awesome. Jamie and the Magic Torch is awesome. Spencer and Jason also awesome. Got me uh, got me thinking again. Got that old grey matter churning over talking about RPGs. Boy, now you're thinking, is this bloke ever going to shut up? But the other thing I forgot, of course, a little bit oversimplifying this idea of longevity and replayability, I made no mention of the thing that I I reckon some of these bigger companies do, and it's about uh, buying, getting you to buy in either perhaps in the case of the person buying the materials customarily this will be the the dm buying in financially or and i don't think this is quite as powerful but it can be emotional buying from people invested in a a a narrative or invested in characters invested in the world so once you've got that buy-in you've got people sort of hooked into the game you're, you're onto a winner. The the, uh, the the tricky one is the financial buy-in because I'll give you an example. I bought in quite heavily into fifth edition and then kind of trickled in funds gradually as they made releases. So to, at this point, I'm left into the game for a you know, good few hundred quid really as sort of a sunk cost now am I you know am I just going to sort of stop playing that game because I want to play something else and and leave leave all that investment well I'm the sort of person who's not really want to get some value for it so probably and this is something I'm considering that I might have to do to get to kind of get over this is just sort of sell my books sell some of them books would that would that really be a problem i don't think so i don't think so it might be good for me it might be good for me to shake shake that off a little bit i'll keep some of the the, the, the main kind of rule books for my 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 kids my family but you know say curse of stride i can't really see me getting to that i really like it as well but i just can't see me getting to run it might as well sell it likewise the um the giants the tear mount one a bunch of those adventures i just don't think i'm going to get round to i'll probably keep ravnica i think i'll keep eberron just because i've never explored them worlds and i haven't read those books yet either Xanathar's, yeah, not, not, I'm not massive on Xanathar's, I like the downtime bit, but I can access this stuff through uh, D&D Beyond, so it might be time to move them on, but buy-in, buy-in, really sort of that investment really keeps people coming back to a game and giving it legs, because you're, 
you're providing stuff for people to consume. People like to kind of get into the hobby, spend their pennies on it, get more stuff. And you've got to keep feeding that as a company to get to give uh, give give a game another kind of replayability and longevity. And don't talk to me about uh, player options either. I know I know player options is a thing, um, but I'm, I want to bundle that in with imagination. I haven't mentioned player options, uh, and that is one of them things that gets wheeled out. Oh, this game's got more replayability because of the player options. Uh, you, you can, if you're playing Tunnel Goons, your players can do whatever they like. I think that's a sort of a sales issue. You've got to sell the idea to your players and tell them that. Because they look, if they like look at the rules, they don't see all these options. So it's a, once again, it's a bit of that inspiration and imagination. I think I am finally done talking about this. And that, as they say, is a wrap. Big thanks goes out to you, the listener, for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to Old Spike Pit. Take care, and I'll catch you later.